Hey, you're listening to the teaching podcast of Crossridge Women, and this is our fall 2022 study in the book of Revelation. For more resources and information, you can find us at crossridge.church slash wstudy. Okay, let's just talk about two final numbers that we didn't talk about. Uh, so there's one-tenth at the end, there's a fraction, and then there's 7,000. Okay. So after this whole messianic arc where the, uh, the church does what Jesus does, which is get trampled, interestingly, by a character we didn't talk about that uh, seems to be here, the beast, you guys waited. You waited for the beast. That's why you came to Revelation. And the last night, I'm just going to skip right over the beast. You're so disappointed, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you know, we're going to get the beast. <laughs> but you have to come back in January. But interestingly enough, uh, here we have just this like casual mention of the beast. And then later we, we see it comes up out of the abyss. So just once again, I, I would just like to prime the pump of your understanding to say um, the text doesn't always like lend itself to this literal timeline, right? Because here it is talking about this thing that's happening, obviously, and then the beast is going to come out of the abyss in the next couple chapters. So yeah, that's all I want to say about that. Um, but these two numbers, one-tenth and 7,000. So after uh, the church, these two witnesses do what the Messiah seemed to have done, which was be trampled. Um, then after three and a half days, the breath of life from God, again, Eden, entered them and they stood on their feet. And great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. They went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched them. Okay, so there, ascension of Jesus, right? Resurrection. At that moment, a violent earthquake took place. A tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. The survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Um, I'm not sure once I, I thought I looked, but I, I don't think that I made this uh, these uh, cross-references into the study guide, but this recalls Isaiah 6.13, and Amos 5.13, there's two important stories there about how God's judgment will come and only one-tenth will be spared. Then there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18, about God is going to judge the idolatry of Israel and only 7,000 will be left after he judges. So Isaiah 6.13 and Amos 5.3 say that judgment will spare one-tenth. And then 1 Kings 19.18 says God will spare only 7,000 in Israel after idolatry. And what has happened here in Revelation is that God has reversed the numbers. Okay, So instead of only one-tenth are spared, one-tenth of the city falls. And instead of leaving 7,000, only 7,000 are killed. So God's reversing the math, is what Daryl Johnson says. And again, like we've talked about, this limiting of, of the time, I think it shows mercy. The mercy of God, that it has said that this is what God will do in judgment, and he reverses it, and the smaller, like the smaller number is 
is actually what is, is punished. Yeah. And also the most beautiful thing to see in chapter 11 is that after the witnesses do what Jesus did, <laughs> right? And after this resurrection life that the survivors are terrified and give glory to the God of heaven. So we said this last week, but you know, after all the terrible judgments of the trumpets, people are just not repenting. And then after sacrificial love to death by the two witnesses, then actually people give glory to God, right? It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Yeah. Okay, let's just look at the seventh trumpet here. Um, It gives us a lot of clues as to what is happening. First of all, it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. There is a sense in this part of uh, Revelation 11 that that Jesus is reigning now in full. Okay, There's a description of God here too. The 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down in worship saying, We give you thanks, Lord God the Almighty who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Do you notice anything? Did you observe anything in that description of God different from what you saw elsewhere in Revelation? Yes, it's missing that part, the who is to come. So I think a lot of scholars say, like they're saying, he was and he is, and there's no more he is to come because the seventh trumpet has been blown and this is the end, this is the final um, yeah, this is, this is the end of history. Uh, God's wrath is also mentioned. It says, the nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. So a couple things there. Every time that God's wrath has been, is mentioned in Revelation, it's always at the final outpouring of judgment. Okay, so we saw it before at Revelation 6, and that was like symbolizing like this final judgment that was going to come. And, and people were going to say, oh, no, fall on us and hide us, right? Like they didn't want the love and the mercy of the lamb, the sacrifice of the lamb. Um, they, they wanted to hide from him. And then in, here in chapter 11, it's talking about the wrath of God has come at this, this final outpouring, this final judgment. And then it's going to, two more times, it's going to talk about the wrath of God in chapter 14 and chapter 19. And both of those are pictures of sort of the end of time. So not this thing that like God is pouring out his wrath, but sort of like the wrath of God was poured out at the beginning of the church age, at the death and, uh, of Jesus, Right? And then at the end of time, that, that his wrath will be finally, like, like the people who did not um, come under the mercy, the salvation that comes by the death of the Lamb, will experience the final outpouring of his wrath. There's sort of these two moments of judgment. Does that make sense? Um, so in this time here, like we are living under the mercy of the Lamb. We are, we are spared of the judgment that is happening on the unrepentant. And we've talked about that before. And then finally, this idea that uh, there's no more destroyers, right? Evil is destroyed. So this does seem to be the very end. And then our last clue is that there are flashes of lightning, thunder, earthquake, and hail. And we said that that is a design pattern in Revelation. It always says that at the end of these seven cycles. 
right? Okay, the cycle has has finished. It is it is complete. So the seventh trumpet sort of signifies the end of history, where the dead are judged and the servants of God, those who fear His name, receive their reward. And what we see there in that the last verse is the temple of God. Then the temple of God in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumbling and peals of thunder, and earthquake, and severe hail. Uh, I think that the ark, this visible ark, okay, the temple is open and you can see the ark. Why can you see the ark when the temple is opened? Right, because the curtain isn't there. You can see right in. There's no barrier into the Holy of Holies, right? The, t- the ark is there. So the visible ark, I think, is the perfect symbol to represent this idea of judgment and reward. So we understand the ark as judgment, I think, thanks to Indiana Jones, <laughs> right? And the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the, fel- the face-melting judgment <laughs> that comes in this idea of the ark and this holy God judges sin. We know that from Uzzah, really. Now we're talking about the Bible again, right? Uzzah touches the, the ark, and in like the holiness of God, he is struck dead because they were told not to do what he was doing with the ark, right, of the covenant. So we understand, I think, the ark of the covenant and this idea that it is judgment, but how is it reward? What does this signify about reward? How, how does it symbolize or represent that? Um, I think this was the big thing that I never knew about myself and about God and about being a Christian until I was 34 years old and I started reading the Bible. And that is that the presence of God is the reward. That's the reward. Um, the reward is Jesus. That's who you get in Christianity. That's the inheritance that we are living for um, in eternity, the presence of God. It's not some, you know, like heaven and mansion, right? Or even avoidance of hell. It is the presence of God. That's the reward. Um, The seventh trumpet sounds very much like the Song of Moses in Exodus 15. And Exodus 15, 13 says this. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. This is verse 17. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. And the Lord will reign forever and ever. Um, the way the Lamb redeems his people is by guiding them into his holy presence. That's the reward. That is the end. It's the end. (laughs) So here we are at chapter 11 of Revelation, a 22-chapter book, and we've reached the end, which is super fascinating. Um, And what you will find out as you turn the page to chapter 12... um, if you come back and, and join us for the second half, um, well, maybe I'll just leave that up to you to see what happens then when you turn the page. If we've got to the end and we're only in chapter 11, what is going to happen next? Uh, I just wanted to talk 
uh, for one minute about um, the application of, of Revelation chapter 1 to 11. So everything we've learned. I think it's really important at this point to just take some time. And you know what? We're not going get, to get the book out for the next one. I already told you this until in January when you come. So you have some time to sort of process what you've learned. And I think it would be really good for everyone to just sit and think about, like, what's my application? What do I take away out of Revelation 1 to 11? How does it change my thinking or my feelings? How does it change my actions, my relationships, my job, my dreams, my goals? Um, the things I think about the most, like how are they changed by what I've seen? And so I was just sort of thinking about um, sort of the observation and interpretation that we have out of Revelation 1, 11. And this is what we've seen. We've seen that Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. He's the King. He has a plan for human history to judge sin in order to save and redeem a people who will then dwell with him in his kingdom forever and ever. And he will protect in the meantime those who take refuge in him during this time of intense pressure between his advents. Um, and, and I think one thing, as, as you're sort of thinking through the application, I think all of us would sort of agree, especially tonight after chapter 11, that um, this, his plan is shocking. The, the plan is actually unexpected. And when you think about it, it like when you really stop and think of everything that we've seen, it, it is a bit unsettling, and it is, it's a shocking plan. And we call it often around here the upside-down kingdom, right? It's different than what you expect a kingdom to be like. Everything is reversed from what we know about the kingdom of man, which we're, what we're going to see is really the kingdom of the beast. Um, it is not about lion power, but it is about lamb power. Victory comes through dying. Elders are servants, not celebrities. It's not judgment that results in repentance, as we said tonight, but kindness. It is self-sacrificing love, love willing to bleed. And the true way to life is through death. That is the opposite of every earthly kingdom that we know. So the question for us maybe then in application is, are we living out this reversal, this gospel reversal, or this upside-down kingdom? Um, yeah, in, in how we do our job, in how we relate to other people, in how we handle uh, conflict or disappointment, or hardship in our uh, dreams and the goals that we set? Are we living out this kingdom reversal, this gospel reversal? Are we living out that in how we relate to other people and who we choose to relate to and how we uh, respond in, in our neighborhood and with the people that we hang out with every day? Uh, to be honest, I think that the way of the lamb is a little bit frightening. Can we say that? Yeah. We should say it. It is. It is. We've seen that it is bitter, but it's also sweet. We've seen that God initiates it, but he also limits it. We rejoice in it, 
but also we lament in it. And in all things, I think that we are called, and I heard some people talking about it, to persevere, to trust, to keep trusting. <laughs> um, and in chapter 4 of Revelation that comes next, we're, we're going to see that our choice says whether we are going to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. That's the choice. Um, yeah, we're, we're, it's asking us sort of where is our allegiance? Will we commit ourselves all the more to the Lamb? Now that we know, okay, this is the Lamb, this is his plan, this is his kingdom, this is what it looks like. Are we committed to him? Will we keep following? Will we persevere in it? Um, lots of times, I think people say that the important uh, reason that we should read the book of Revelation and that we should study it and that we should know what it says is because we need to be ready. And some people talk about this like um, that like Jesus is coming, so we need to be ready for when he comes. We need to know what's happening. Um, some people then say that it, it should make us be like scouring the newspaper and, and seeing what's happening. I, I actually don't necessarily think that's true, but I do think like, yeah, of course we need to be ready. We need to know that Jesus will return, that he comes uh, not only to save, but to judge, that, that judgment is a part of salvation. And um, so we need to get, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Okay, I agree with that. But I think there's two postures in this. And one posture sort of says that how we be ready after reading this book of Revelation, is that we uh, watch for maybe false teachers or the signs, and we really try to point out like who it is that is not, um, you know, on the side of the lamb, on the wrong side, or maybe maybe on the beast side, or maybe the beast himself, and we need to stay like stay pure, right, to keep ourselves pure and and to be aware so we uh, don't maybe take the mark of the beast. Right? Um, and I think that that is the opposite of what the two witnesses of chapter 11 teach us about being ready. Because that, to me, the posture of that seems to be very inward focused. Like we're shrinking in. You know what? This is how I was taught Revelation as a child into my adult years. And it made me feel like what I needed to do was just really like kind of do this. Like just pull everybody close and look very much inward, um, be very inward focused instead of outward focused and like protective and, and maybe suspicious or something. Because um, the other posture, and maybe this is more the posture that I see of these witnesses in chapter 11, the, the way to, I, I would say, if you said, well, how do we get ready then? How are we ready for when Jesus will come back? And, and this is my answer. The, the way to be ready, to get ready to be with Jesus, is to be with Jesus now. In these 42 months, whatever. In whatever is happening right now, to be with Jesus now. Grow in love for his presence. Do this right? Commit yourself to spending time in his word and let yourself be, be shaped by it. Let it like 
go rattle around in your brain and, and think about it and let it change how you think. Let it change how, how you feel. Take some real application and say, well, actually, like this week I was reading this and like I got off social media because I just felt really strongly that that was something I needed to do. Or I speak differently to my husband now. Or I made a different choice about, about my finances. Or I started doing something different. I'm committing myself to pray for the person Persecuted church because this study in Revelation really just um, formed me in a in a new way. Um, grow in love for His presence, and I think you do that by pressing into spiritual disciplines, like we said, uh, like we're doing, right? Commit ourselves to the study of God's Word. Commit ourselves to spending time in prayer and solitude before God. Be with Jesus. Learn what it is like um, to be in His presence. Uh, because we actually have that ability now because of the Holy Spirit. This is not something for the seventh trumpet. You don't need to wait for that to blow to actually um, experience the presence of God in his temple. We know that Paul has said that we are the temple now of God. We are being built up together into a dwelling place for him even now as we do this, as we gather, as we commit ourselves to one another. Um, yeah, so I would just encourage you to, to press into that, to understand more um, the heart of God, his nature, and his love. And then, you know what? Be a witness to that love in you. Just be a witness to it, right? Like when you open your mouth and, and you speak, that people would witness the, the love of the lamb that caused him to, to die and bleed for a people. Um, that there is a beautiful truth, a beautiful truth that shapes our steps and um, that leads to abundance and uh, rivers of life. Yeah. And I, I guess we have to say no matter how the world reacts to our witness, because we know how the story ends, right? Um, you are freed from that fight. I guess we could say this to each other. We are freed from the fight. We don't have to fight for the ending. We know how it ends. And it might not look like we win. <laughs> it probably look like we die. Um, but that is the thing. It is not about, um, yeah, this, this earth is not the end. There is an eternal home for us. So um, you, you know the ending, and this is the ending. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom and priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn, so it is to be. Amen. Um, just, we're going to end tonight, actually. We're going to sing our prayers. So um, would you stand with me? We, and we do this usually at the end of women's Bible study. So it feels weird because we don't do it in a lot of places in the church, but we do do it here, and it's becoming more familiar to us. So we're being formed, aren't we? Um, but we're just going to sing. I, thought, I think that Revelation calls us to sing, um, and we usually do it at the end. So if you sing
friends. Thanks for studying along. And wherever you are, it's our prayer that you are knowing the blessing that comes from reading, hearing, and keeping the words of Revelation. We'll see you soon.